1: So last Friday, a splinter of the powerful Turkish military attempted a coup against President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, who's an Islamist with a taste for the authoritarian. Erdogan has spent the past decade purging the military of secularists, integrating his own brand of radical Islam into the government. In the process, he's also made for himself a $182 million fortune. He's built himself three palaces, including a $650 million Saddam-esque monstrosity. He's cracked down on journalists, he's gone soft on ISIS, and he's threatened to get rid of the constitutional court. He is, in short, an aspiring dictator. Sadly, as we all know, the coup failed. Or maybe the coup was just a setup. Erdogan has used the failure of the coup as an excuse to completely purge his enemies. He's demanded the United States hand over a moderate cleric he sees as his enemy. He's detained or suspended 20,000 police, civil service, judiciary, and army members. He's called to reinstate the death penalty for anyone who attempted the coup. Uh, 1,500 finance ministry officials were thrown out, thousands of deans of colleges were, and 30 governors were fired as well. So in response, U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry blustered through his crazy face, NATO has a requirement with respect to democracy. Given the the Obama administration stood by and did nothing after Syrian dictator Bashar Assad used chemical weapons on his own citizens, Erdogan probably laughed out loud at this particular missive. So here's the question. Was the coup moral? Some on the left say no. A columnist for The Guardian, a socialist named Owen Jones, tweeted, quote, You don't have to support Turkey's government. An attack on democracy is an attack on democracy everywhere. Except, of course, that that's stupid. An attempted coup against Adolf Hitler, who became chancellor of Germany legitimately in 1932, or against Benito Mussolini, who became prime minister of Italy through democratic means in 1922, would have been justified. Today, a coup against an elected government in Iran would be similarly decent, as would a coup against the elected government in Hamas-controlled Gaza. For well over a century, the left has mistaken the means of democracy for democratic values. That confusion has converted republics into tyrannies. Just because people elect their dictators doesn't make the dictators legit. That's the whole point of the constitution. There are certain rights that are inviolable, even by a majority. If a majority voted to enslave a minority, According to Jones' logic, a coup would, would be illegitimate, after all. That'd be overturning the popular will. Presumably, that's why he's a socialist. For him, morality follows the majority. You just vote other people's money to yourself. But morality doesn't follow the majority. Democracy and classical liberalism, they should go hand in hand, but they don't always. A people trained in classical liberalism will vote for it. A people trained in tyranny will vote for tyranny. That's what's been happening in Turkey. Increasingly, it's what's happening everywhere. Values have to trump democracy if the two come into conflict. They don't have to. But it's our job to educate our kids and, indeed, populations around the world about what classical liberal values look like. If we don't, people will choose their own chains. And just because you choose your, your own chains doesn't mean those chains are somehow any less oppressive. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So first, I just want to say hello to a new sponsor. There's a great sponsor, HelixSleep.com. So, folks, if you, if you know that it's, it's very difficult to get a nice mattress. I sleep very poorly. I'm a light sleeper at night. And so I've had to spend a lot of money in the past to get a really nice mattress that allows me to sleep comfortably. Well, Helix.com does something unique. What they do is you go online. And then you enter in a bunch of categories about how you sleep and what you look like. Well, not, not your face, but mainly how you weigh and, and where the weight is distributed. And then they run a 3D bio, biomechanical model of your body through algorithms they've created for themselves with, with ergonomic specialists and biomechanics specialists. And then they give you the most comfortable mattress you've ever slept on, and it's way cheaper. It's like a 30% improvement in quality, and it's way less expensive than it would be to go get, like, for example, a sleep number bed. The mattress arrives at your door in about a week. Shipping is 100% free. And by the way, you have a hundred nights to try it out. So if you try it and you think it stinks, They'll pick it up for you, they'll give you a 100% refund, no questions asked. Right now, you get a discount. First of all, you should shop with them because they're a sponsor and you want to help us out. Obviously, we rely on our sponsors to make the show happen. And they also happen to produce a pretty great product. So go to helixsleep.com slash ben. You get 50 bucks off your order right now. That's helixsleep.com slash ben. Again, that's helixsleep.com slash ben. You have to add the slash ben so they know that we sent you. And you definitely should shop from them. It's, it's a great company. The product is terrific. And, uh, and I think that you'll really enjoy it. And if you don't, obviously, you haven't lost anything because you can send it right back. So make sure you check it out. Again, that's helixsleep.com Ben. Okay, so tons to get to. Yesterday, Donald Trump clinches the Republican nomination. And people like me who think that Donald Trump is terrible, uh, we were very sad about this, obviously. Donald Trump, however, was very happy. About all this. And look, we knew this was coming. Right? It's no great shock that Donald Trump is the nominee. We've known for months that he was going to be the nominee. All of these sort of various machinations at the convention were going nowhere. They were sort of amusing. I guess they were sort of cathartic. But they weren't going to go anywhere. Trump was going to be the nominee. We've known this for months and months. It was a little galling to watch the spectacle of people cheering for Donald Trump becoming the nominee. But, you know, that's just the way these conventions go. So, you know, no, no harm, no foul. Everybody's kind of doing what they do at these particular conventions. Here's what Trump looked like when he celebrated clinching the nomination. He appeared via video on the big TV at the convention because I think he's planning to be on, I think pretty much every night.
0: A little
2: over one year ago, I announced my candidacy for president. And with your vote today, this stage of the presidential process has come to a close. Together we've achieved historic results with the largest vote total in the history of the Republican party. This is a movement, but we have to go all the way. I'm so proud to be your nominee for President of the United States. I look forward to sharing my thoughts with you on Thursday night on how we build a brighter and more hopeful future for all Americans. It's an honor to run on a ticket with Governor Mike Pence, who is an incredible man and who will make a great, great Vice President. I'll be with him in Cleveland tomorrow night, and we'll be together again on Thursday night. And by the way, we are going to win the state of Ohio. And also, of course, we're going to win the presidency and bring real change and leadership back to Washington. This is going to be a leadership, by the way, that puts the American people first. We're you know, going to bring back, back our job.
1: He's doing a shtick, and that's fine. I mean, this is the shtick that he has to do. There are there some Trumpian touches to the convention yesterday. But overall, day two much better than day one. We talked about all the foibles of day one, all the kind of flaws, the media nitpicking those flaws. Day two was much smoother. It ran a lot smoother. There, there were a couple of Trumpian touches. So, for example, the president of the UFC, the ultimate fighting championship, Dana White, he showed up to talk for Trump, and it got a little weird for a moment. And in
3: my opinion, you can really tell a person's true character when they're happy for somebody else's success, okay? And I think that sense of loyalty and commitment will translate into how he will run this country. And let's be honest, folks, we need somebody who believes in this country, we need somebody who's proud of this country, and who will fight for this country.
1: Let me tell you something, Mm -hmm. I've been mm -hmm. in the fight Mm -hmm. business my whole life, and then the, the shot cuts to a couple of Democrats who are Donald Trump's kids and the octagon descends and then, and then Chris Christie fights Newt Gingrich for a hamburger. So in any case, the, the, that was not the main import of last night. The main import of last night, you know it went better for Trump because this was the main import of last night. The main import of last night was that the Republicans really went after Hillary hard and there were no big distractions. So the, the fact that they were going after Hillary hard made the media a little bit crazy. So this was the, the moment that drove the media out of its mind. Chris Christie put down his shine box long enough to go to the to go and actually speak at the convention and make the case that he basically should have been the VP pick, because he's a really good attack dog. And so he went there and he did his attack dog routine against Hillary, and it was very effective. It was very good. It was very prosecutorial. He wants as backup to be the Attorney General of the United States. If he can't be VP, then he'll be Attorney General. And he makes a pretty good case for himself here. So here is Chris Christie making the case for prosecuting Hillary Clinton.
3: So let's do something fun tonight. Tonight, as a former federal prosecutor, I welcome the opportunity to hold Hillary Rodham Clinton accountable for her performance and her character. Now.
1: i lock her up. Right, and he's very happy, obviously. So, okay, and it goes on like this, and, and fine. Okay, so everybody's chanting, lock her up, and Chris Christie is getting ready to actually dive into the crowd, and everybody <laughs> below him is very, very frightened. So, But, but what he's saying about, about Hillary, it's time to prosecute her. Of course, that's true, and when people chant, lock her up, that has a meaning, right? I mean, the fact that they're saying, lock her up, there's a reason for that. Now, the media lost its collective mind over this. They lost their poop over this. So they, they didn't have a headline like Melania's plagiarism to talk about And so instead, they decided that it was worthwhile talking about this. This was the end of the world. You know, how dare he say that we're going to prosecute her and the crowd is going to chant, lock her up. How dare they do all this? Christie went on like this, by the way. He did a whole routine where he he kind of threw out a charge, and then he said, is she guilty or is she not guilty?
3: So I'm going to ask you this. Hillary Clinton, as a failure for ruining Libya and creating a nest for terrorist activity by ISIS, Answer me now. Is she guilty or not guilty? Hillary Clinton, as an apologist for an al-Qaeda affiliate in Nigeria, resulting in the capture of innocent young women. Is she guilty or not guilty?
1: He does this routine. It goes on like this, right? So we don't don't need to play all of them because there are a lot of guilty or not guilties. And it was basically like the, the opening scene in Superman 1 where you have General Zod in the dock. And all the and then the disembodied heads going guilty, right? So it's, okay, this is good. This is good stuff, right? I mean, this the mistake is this wasn't in prime time. It should have been in prime time. Instead, we got the CEO of the Trump Winery for some odd reason talking. I know I was desperate to hear from the CEO of the Trump Winery, you know, but Chris Christie, you know, does a good job there. So the media loses their poop. I mean, just they lose it. They absolutely lose it. So, ABC goes. Out of its mind, right? MSNBC. We can start with MSNBC. So this is MSNBC going absolutely bonkers. Kelly O'Donnell just goes just goes crazy. Well, actually, you know, sorry, clip five, whatever clip five is. Let's play that one.
2: I do think the lock her up chant, as it's received at home, to about 32 percent of the electorate who will decide the outcome. It seems a little banana Republican to me. It's something that you're not used to hearing in this country. We don't lock up our political opponents. The rule of law matters, and it matters to Republicans. And Republicans emphasize the importance of the rule of law. We've just had an investigation of Hillary Clinton. The FBI director made his recommendations to the Department of Justice. Said she has been dishonest. She's not been truthful to the American people. But there was no cause for prosecution on that. And so I think that the
1: the chant
2: uh, lock her up does not translate particularly well.
1: Okay, so. This, by the way, is Steve Schmidt, who is an advisor to the McCain campaign. So naturally, he doesn't like this because it's uncouth. It's uncouth, and it's it's Banana Republic. Let me point something out. What is Banana Republic is the FBI director who is appointed by the president of the United States and the Department of Justice also appointed by the president of the United States, and they're all of the same party, right? They all are of the same party as the candidate who used to be the secretary of state, letting her off the hook for what is obviously criminal activity. That's Banana Republic. It's not Banana Republic for people to say, it's time to lock up the people who commit crimes. It's Banana Republic to actually defend the people who commit crimes. That's what a Banana Republic does. So this is silly talk, but it was like this all over the media last night, clip six, right? This is is over on NBC and they do exactly the same thing. Trump goes over the top. Heavy on harsh rhetoric, much of it directed
3: at Hillary Clinton. Prosecuting the case, New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. The charge of putting herself Ahead of America, guilty or not guilty. guilty. Delegates repeatedly calling for Clinton to be thrown in jail.
4: And it brought out a lot of the anger that we've been talking out about over the course of this campaign that is in the electorate. We heard it in their chance of lock her up and guilty. Does that anger work at an event like this? A lot of Republicans, even Trump supporters, didn't like the chant. They thought that maybe went a little too far. Or does it go too far? Does it overestimate how much people don't care for Hillary Clinton? The chanting was bad, but I think it will be canceled out
2: next week by some equally uncomfortable moment for Democrats at their convention.
1: Okay, so the entire media say, oh my God, isn't it just so terrible? They're chanting, lock her up. It's just so terrible. Hillary Clinton locked up a guy for making a YouTube video. Hillary Clinton promised families of people who were murdered in Benghazi that a dude who made a YouTube video that had nothing to do with anything would go to jail. The Obama administration has sought out and jailed, seriously, journalists more often than any administration since Woodrow Wilson. This idea that they're not jailing, they, they jailed Dinesh D'Souza for a nonsense campaign finance violation. I mean, this idea that they get to sit there and talk to us about rule of law is absurd. Of course, of course Hillary Clinton should be behind bars. And the reason people are ticked off and the reason people are angry is because they have every, every right to be angry. Because Hillary Clinton is a criminal and she is getting away with it. And she always gets away with it because she's part of the Banana Republic inside team. She's part of it. So when the media sit there and they, oh, it's so terrible, it's just so terrible, and you, you can see they're really uncomfortable with this. The Republicans are not supposed to say things like this. I mean, come on. The Republicans are supposed to say that, that whatever the FBI says is okay, and they're supposed to be genteel. It's supposed to be like Bob Dole. This isn't supposed to be like like an actual battle. It's not supposed to be like that. and right? Hillary Clinton, by the way, says that CEOs should have gone to prison over the, over the financial collapse. You can't even name the charge. Right, she's said that sort of stuff before. Bernie Sanders certainly has said that sort of stuff before. I didn't hear the media saying that. I didn't hear them saying anything at that point about it. Of course not. Of course not. CBS, same sort of deal. They did the same routine. They said it was big hate for Hillary. Big hate for Hillary. She's very vulnerable, especially after the Attorney General decided not to prosecute based on the FBI
5: investigation, but there was enough in that for them to keep it up. The fact is, she's been around a long time. And in that crowd, even people who don't like Trump necessarily. They can
1: work up a big hate for Hillary. Okay, they can work up a big hate for Hillary. It's, it's all about the hatred. Hillary Clinton labeled Republicans her enemies in an open debate. She says the vast right-wing conspiracy is responsible for her husband accidentally putting his genitals in another person. Okay, this is absolute, it, it, it's, bunk, it's bunk, it's hogwash, it's just, it's garbage. But this is what the media are going to do. They're gonna, Oh, they're so angry. Oh, here's the thing, it's not going to work. because people are angry. People are upset. There's a reason that Hillary Clinton is plummeting in polls. Trump isn't moving in polls. Trump, another poll out today. Say, Oh, he sliced her lead in half. No, he's still at 36%. She just went from 50 to 43. So she's falling apart. The anger is justified. The anti-Hillary anger is totally, completely justified. And the media are part of it. Because we look at you people in the media, in the mainstream left media, and we say, you've been lying to cover up for these people for years, for literally decades, for my entire lifetime, you've been lying to cover up for the Clintons. And I was eight when, when Bill Clinton started running for office. Right? I was born in 84, so I was eight when he, when he ran for office. Literally my entire life that I can remember, you guys were defending the Clintons' criminal activity. And now you turn around and you say, why are you so angry? That's why we're angry. That's why we're angry. Well, we have to say goodbye to our Facebook Live viewers right now. Go to dailywire.com to subscribe. You can see the rest of the show, which is posted shortly. You can also go to iTunes or SoundCloud and download the show. Uh, we are, of course, the number one conservative podcast in America, um, Thank God, thanks, thanks to you, and uh, we would like for you to spend your eight dollars and become part of the team, and that way you can also support us, but you can also be part of the mailbag. We do the mailbag tomorrow, which is always a lot of fun, and uh, and you want to be a part of it. So go to DailyWire.com to subscribe, and then we all go surfing. So, so the uh, so the, uh, the to continue with the theme here. Um, Chris Matthews also sounded off a lot about this. Chris Matthews, he loves Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton's the best. And I don't know why everybody's always ripping on Hillary Clinton. She's so beautiful, she's so romantic. She doesn't make a throw go up my leg like Obama, but that's for different reasons. That's for different reasons. I mean, no one finds her sexually attractive. Her husband doesn't even find her sexually attractive. But I think that she's a wonderful, wonderful woman, who must never be criticized in any way, any possible way. Here's Chris Matthews, let me say. stay. Talking. First of all,
5: an overall sort of aesthetic, historic assessment. When Christie was up there with that very rough justice, I'm going to put it, of Hillary Clinton, and he kept saying, in each case, I'm going to ask you for your verdict. It did remind me of the old Swords and Sandals movies with the Roman Emperor going up or down (laughs) in the Coliseum. But but you know what? And I get the feeling he wanted, if they had said kill her now it was almost that bloodthirsty it was like this stuff and the audience as as requested responded always with the verdict of guilty Mm -hmm. and they said it in a blood-curdling way every time
1: it's blood curling. I mean, it, was, it reminded me of this one time when I was down in Venezuela and I saw a cockfight. And I don't know why I was there or what I was doing. I was really drunk at the time. But I can explain to you that whenever the chicken was really wounded, I would just go up or down, up or down. And that's what I also do with my thumb sometimes with a pie. I just go home and I go up or down, up or down. And then I suck my thumb and it tastes delicious. But let me just tell you, let me just tell you. After I get in here and I comb my hair with a shoe, after I get in here, I comb my hair with a shoe comb my and come out and I say, you tuck down in Cape Heart then it really is important that these people not be so bloodthirsty. I mean, yeah, the Republicans are all criminals and they should all go to jail and die, but the, the Democrats are blood. The, the Democrats, they don't deserve this treatment. They're wonderful people. They're great. Hillary's wonderful. She's great. Not only that, they treat her like it was a witch hunt. Like it was a witch hunt. Like it was Salem. Like it was a Salem witch hunt. Like they're going to throw her in the lake and then see if she floats or swims. Ha! Okay. And we're going we're gonna to take her. We're going we're gonna to throw her in the lake. and going to see if she floats or swims. And if she floats, that means she's a witch. And if she sings, that means she's innocent. Ha! Go, Chris. Go. I mean, I was thinking tonight,
5: and this Hil- this festival of hating Hillary tonight, this brewing up mm-hmm. of almost a, a witch-like uh, ritual tonight. I kept thinking, wait a minute, they already hate Hillary. Yeah. So what's the point? And does this get to the middle-of-the-road voters saying, you know, I'm worried about my kids, about the, my kids, I may have all kinds of issues. But none of them really relate to how much I hate Hillary. They relate to other things. I know these people are all imperfect. I know Hillary's got this credibility problem, but I only got
1: a choice here. How does this make me like Trump anymore? She's got an incredible, I understand she's got a discredibility, incredibility, discombobility problem. I get it, I get it. Okay, so the reason, Chris, let me explain to you why people are angry. The reason people are angry is because people like you have been dismissing the fact that Hillary Clinton is deeply corrupt for as long as some of us have been alive. Right For longer than you've had that current hairline, you've been doing that. And Chris Matthews, this is why. You want to see why? Here is why. Here is, here is Chris Matthews.
5: What is an easier thing for these delegates to do in the next three days? Yeah. To find evil in Hillary Clinton or good in Donald Trump? It's far easier. Well, they go the unifying, after. The, it's to unify. They go after everything. Rudy Giuliani right. went way back, you know, to something to do with the with the uh, listing posts in Eastern Europe. You know, our counter our uh, anti ballistic missile systems to say that she's basically uh, not to be trusted. They reach for things about Hillary to say, that, oh, she let her emails get exposed to hacking. Blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, she was responsible for what happened in Benghazi because of Daryl Alexa duty. But try to get them to find the fervor to find the good in Donald Trump. It's much harder. So they go to the what they say is the evil in Hillary
1: Clinton again and again tonight. OK, so he, it's, it's blah, blah, blah. Right. That's that's the key point. Uh, she, she exposed her emails to the foreign powers to see our national security secrets and put CIA agents at risk. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's because you say, blah, 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 that everybody reacts by saying, put her in jail. That's why. That's why. And the entire media have have now surrounded the cause. And this is why, forget just what I think about Trump. Objectively speaking, the media are going to savage him. All of the talk about how Trump knew how to handle the media early on in this election cycle, that that applied during a primary. It doesn't apply now that we're in a general, as has been true with every Republican nominee in the last eight years, 12 years. So... Jorge Ramos, who is of Univision, he has on the father of a kid. This guy's kid was killed by an illegal immigrant. And this just shows you how negative the, the, the media are toward anyone who disagrees with them. First of all, notice in the bottom left, if you can't see this, folks, uh, you should see on the bottom left of the screen, there's a logo. It says The Trump Show. Okay, The Trump Show is over the the, is a circus tent. Next to the the are devil horns. Right, So that may give you a clue as to what Jorge Ramos thinks of Donald Trump. And then he proceeds to basically grill this father. His son was murdered by an illegal immigrant. Grill this father about illegal immigration.
4: But don't you think it would be a better idea, instead of doing that, And maybe the police wouldn't be able to apply that law correctly with many immigrants who are not criminals? How about permanent immigration reform, in which everyone would go through background checks? Everybody? Everybody. The 11 million who are here. Isn't that a better idea?
2: I, I mean, it could be if you're in the political part, but see, I'm thinking as a, a father who misses his son, whose son didn't do nothing. All my son was doing was walking down the street, which is a freedom
4: that he has. He should be able to allow. he should be able to walk down the United States. I, 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 now, I agree, and, and we don't want that to happen again. That's right. that's what you're here. That's right. what you just But spoke. I need more than me personally, I need more than just reform because i don't believe in that i want
2: i want people to go after the gangbangers the crips blurs whoever i don't care but where i got into the fight is my son was murdered by an 18th street gangbanger
1: illegal in the country from mexico i mean that's just what happened and jorge almost can't accept that right so this is how it's going to be all the way through to the end of, of the line and the media are going to continue being obsessed with with every detail of the trump campaign you know chris cuomo who legitimately Gaston, as we like to call him here on the program, is he? Apparently, when he was young, he had he had four dozen eggs every morning to help him get large. But now that he's grown, he has five dozen eggs. So he's roughly the size of a barge. In any case, Chris Cuomo, he uh, he grills Donald Trump's campaign manager over plagiarism. He's very very upset that Melania Trump had some paragraphs in her speech that were also in Michelle Obama's speech. So so Melania's speechwriter plagiarized from Michelle's speechwriter. So speechwriters were plagiarizing from speechwriters for political figures who aren't even elected, which is very 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 important according to Chris Cuomo, whose brother is the corrupt governor of New York. Here he says, "And you
3: don't want to deal with what happens then. That's the concern. That's why I don't understand religious. you won't just own this little thing and
0: move on."
2: Well, Chris, I guess it's all in the eye of the beholder because the pattern that I see is a pattern of the media not being prepared to look at what's really going on in America, not look at what's really happening in the Trump campaign, look at what really is being tapped into, and looking at why it's working, not why it's failing, why it's working. Because you know, over the last 10 months, as you all have been pointing out things which aren't true, to say that this is going to be a problem for the Trump campaign, you've been wrong consistently. Uh, the American people disagree two with different your perceptions things. of all the things you've just said. There, no, it isn't. It's the same thing. There are two because different you're things. looking at things that don't exist, you're looking at things that don't exist, and you're not focusing on the broader message that does exist and which the American people are responding to. And last night, but, Donald Trump, Paul, contrary that is to demonstrably all the
3: nominated President of the United States. But that's untrue. That's untrue and I don't know where you were at the beginning of this campaign, but I would love to talk to you then and say, Do you think Donald Trump's gonna be he the nominee? Do I don't think it makes you crazy or jaundiced to have been surprised by it. There's also no question that you deserve a lot of credit for getting him where he was that last night. You know I've said that no, openly no. and often. But I've got I've gotta go back to this other point though, Paul. I just have to. The idea that we're ignoring something that doesn't matter flies in the face of what we're about. This is about the truth. It's about the truth, and that's all it's about. Hey, let's the stop it there. Okay so, okay,
1: so it's all about the truth. That's all the media are about. They're all about the truth. Blah, 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 Hillary Clinton classified emails, blah, blah, blah. We're all about the truth. No, you're all about a political agenda. You're all about a political agenda. Okay, It doesn't mean that sometimes you don't tell the truth, but it means that you're always about pushing a particular political agenda that benefits the left. I mean, another example last night, Ben Carson was speaking, and, uh, and I'm not a huge fan of, uh, of Ben Carson's speeches, I I don't find them particularly inspiring, but, you know, there are some people who really do enjoy Ben Carson. So here he
0: is. One of the things that I have learned about Hillary Clinton is that one of her heroes, her mentors, was Saul Alinsky. And her senior thesis was about Saul Alinsky. This was someone that she greatly admired and that affected all of her philosophies subsequently. Now, interestingly enough, let me tell you something about Saul Alinsky. He wrote a book called Rules for Radicals. On the dedication page, it acknowledges Lucifer, the original radical who gained his own kingdom Now, think about that. This is a nation where our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, talks about certain inalienable rights that come from our creator. This is a nation where our Pledge of Allegiance says we are one nation under God. So the media, the media lose their mind over this.
1: The media lose their mind because he invoked Lucifer. Okay, except that everything he said there is exactly true. I've read Saul book. He does dedicate it to Lucifer, and that does make a difference. If I were a candidate, and my favorite book, and it was her favorite book, I mean, she wrote her her thesis, her senior thesis at Wellesley, she wrote on Saul She was regularly in contact with Saul She brought him to Wellesley to speak to her college class. Right? That does not make a difference, but the media loses their mind over this. It's the end of the world. And then they're going to sit there and say that they're all about the truth. That's all they care about is just the truth. Give me a break. And the problem is that what happens here is because the media are so corrupt, the media are so terrible, the media are so awful, it turns out that when somebody comes along in the Republican Party like Donald Trump, who, who lies on a routine basis, who doesn't tell the truth, who changes his positions at a whim. And I mean, we, we found out today, folks, we found out today that Donald Trump, number one, apparently offered the VP slot to John Kasich and told him he could handle policy. So for all you people who thought that that Donald Trump was really a break from the rest of the Republican Party. He basically said that John Kasich could handle everything, and Donald Trump's job would be to make America great again. Really, this is the report from the New York Times. Second, Donald Trump wants to appoint as his secretary of the Treasury a guy named Steve Mnuchin. Steve Mnuchin is a former partner at Goldman Sachs. Yes, you guessed it, Goldman Sachs. He's also a fundraiser for Donald Trump, who used to be a fundraiser for, you guessed it, or a donor to, Hillary Clinton. So... If he's really a break from everything that came before, not so much, not so much. But the bottom line is that when somebody comes along and they just change what they're saying every five seconds and the media call them on it, we're more likely to say to the media, screw you. We don't believe a word you have to say. And that's actually a benefit for, for the Trump campaign. It was not the primaries. And I think that it'll continue to be with a certain segment of the Republican base. All I'm saying is you don't have to believe the media, but do your own research, figure out what's true and what's false the media have an agenda you don't have to react to the agenda of the media by saying that 100% of the things they say are false 100% of the things they say are badly motivated but that doesn't mean that 100% of the things that they say are false okay so on la- last night was all about attacking hillary clinton and that's great that's great it was it was worthwhile it was it was useful and then there was the other part of the convention the other part of the convention is this really kind of difficult attempt to unify the party now i'm going to reiterate Hopefully, for the last time, my position on this thing. Okay, my position on this thing has been clear for a long time. You're big boys and big girls. You're adults. You can make your own decision about how you want to vote. Your vote is your own. To me, I'm going to say what what I think is true, and I'm going to say what I think is false, and I'm going to critique the candidates as objectively as I can, given the fact that I have political biases in, in favor or not in favor of particular policies. I'm in favor of principles. I don't really care about candidates all that much. My rationale why I have said that I will not vote for Donald Trump is not because I think anything except that Hillary Clinton is an evil harridan, which I do. I think she's a terrible person. The reason that I've said I won't vote for Donald Trump is because here's my calculus. Either we back him and he loses, in which case we have embraced all of the terrible things that he said, all of the positional vacillations, all of the things that he has done that are not in line with conservatism. We've handed over the party to national populace and lost. And lost a generation of people who don't like the kind of stuff that Donald Trump says and find it vile. And I'm talking not about his politically incorrect stuff. I'm talking about his actual vile stuff—the making fun of the disabled, the making fun of women, the suggestion that the the suggestion that judges who are Mexican can't do their job because they're of Mexican ethnicity. You know, all of that. That stuff doesn't play well in the long term for Republicans. So if they, if we lose and we go down with that guy bravely shouting, at least we didn't vote for Hillary, I'm not sure that that helps us in the future. Number two, if Trump wins, he becomes the face of conservatism in America. And I think that to deny that is to deny reality. He is the leader of the Republican party. Paul Manafort said it, this is now the Trump national party. This is the the Trump party, not the Republican party anymore. That's going to have an impact on how people think about conservatives and conservatism, especially if you decide to hop on board that. So that's my calculus. You don't have to make that calculus. I understand it's a balancing act. If you hold your nose and vote for Trump because you want to stop Hillary, I am I hear you. I get it. I totally get it. It's totally sympathetic. I, I, I can't express my sympathy any more than that. I, I hear you for sure. If you are not going to vote for Trump because you don't think that, that he should be the leader of conservatism in America, perverting it for, for the rest of our lives— then I get that too. But it's a balancing act, and to ignore the balancing act, I think, is foolhardy. That said, there are serious divisions inside the Republican Party, and I don't think that those can be bridged over by a little bit of pat rhetoric. Paul Ryan, I think, evidenced this yesterday. So Paul Ryan clearly is uncomfortable with Donald Trump as the nominee. I mean, he really does not like... I mean, he said three weeks ago that Donald Trump was engaging in... or maybe eight weeks ago that Donald Trump was engaging in what he called textbook racism against that Mexican judge, Curiel. Here is Paul Ryan now, You know, ripping into Hillary Clinton saying that we've made our choices.
4: At a time when men and women in both parties so clearly, so undeniably, want a big change in direction for America, a clean break from a failed system. And what does the Democratic Party establishment offer? What is their idea of a clean break? They are offering a third Obama term brought to you by another Clinton. Watch the Democratic Party convention next week. That four-day infomercial of politically correct moralizing. And let it be a reminder of all that is at stake in this election. You can get through four days of it with a little help from the mute button. But four more years of it? Not a chance. Not a chance. The Obama years are almost over. The Clinton years are way over. 2016 is the year America moves on. Progressives deliver everything except progress. Democracy is a series of choices. We Republicans have made our choice. Into the life everyone can find with opportunity and independence, the happiness of using your gifts and the dignity of having a job.
1: And, stop and you it know there, what? So, so, so the, only the last part of that speech, where he starts talking about his program, is where he gets enthusiastic. The rest of the time, he looks like he wants to give himself a. a he wants to put his face in the toilet and flush it himself. He actually wants to bully himself in like a bathroom stall. But in any case, the, the, you, you can see that there is a, a real rift in the party, and it's not going to be healed anytime soon. And all this talk about un, unity, it's not going to happen anytime soon because it's not a unity based on principle, it's a unity based on convenience. And there's always some of that. There's always some of that. But the question is, how large is the rift? And the rift is pretty large in a bunch of different directions. Mitch McConnell, the Senate majority leader, who has not done a particularly good job and who sat out this election cycle basically on the presidential side because he hates Ted Cruz so much. Watch what happens when Senator McConnell—remember, this is the Senate majority leader for the Republican Party. This is the Republican National Convention. Watch what happens when he walks on the stage.
0: The majority leader of the United States
4: Senate, the Honorable Mitch McConnell of Kentucky.
1: They're booing him, in case you can't hear that.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for us to determine our nominee for the office of Vice
5: President, of
2: the okay, so State. I mean, that's,
1: that's all that's important. So Turtley, McTurtle comes on out, and everybody says that, and everybody starts booing him. These are real divisions. They're not going to go away anytime soon. And they're real divisions because the future of conservatism is at stake. It's not just the future of the Republican Party. There are big decisions to be made on all sides. I understand people who make different decisions. I'm not insisting everybody make my decision. Um, I am insisting that you think about all of, the, all of the various arguments on every side before you come to uh, a sanguine conclusion. I think people are, are making this very easy for themselves by simply, by simply refusing to acknowledge truths. You know, the people on the Never Trump side are refusing to acknowledge how horrible Hillary is and how horrible she's going to be, many of them. And some people on the, on the pro-Trump side are refusing to acknowledge the very real costs that attend to even supporting a man as bad and as leftist as, as Donald Trump. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So we've been doing kind of scary movie villains this is a different kind of scary movie villain uh in this, this time the last couple have been just like really really bad guys this one uh is a little bit different i don't know if you've ever seen the movie all about eve this one best picture i think 1955 maybe in any case all about eve is a great film uh, it has one of the great scenes in movie history at the, near the very end with george sanders uh, who you'll recognize mostly as the voice of Shere Khan from Jungle Book, but George Sanders was a very big actor in his day. Uh, and George Sanders plays this kind of newspaper paper critic. All About Eve is about Betty Davis, who's a fading actress, and this young girl basically insinuates herself into her life uh, and starts trying to become her understudy, to become an actress, and then she's kind of edging her out of her own relationships. Very creepy villainous in the film, and here's, here's what it looks like. Here's the trailer.
3: She's a girl of so many interests.
1: Pretty rare quality these days.
3: A girl of so many rare qualities.
1: So she seems.
3: Oh, you've pointed out so often. So many qualities so often. Her loyalty, efficiency, devotion, warmth, and affection, and so young. So young and so fair. He, my understudy. Didn't you know? Of course I knew. Just slipped your mind. Find out. Only thing. What I go after, I want to go after. I don't
5: want it to come after me.
3: Don't get up. And please stop acting as if I were the queen mother. I'm sorry I didn't
2: Outside mean. of a beehive, Margot, your behavior would hardly be considered either queenly or motherly.
3: You're in a beehive, pal, didn't you know? We're all busy little bees, full of stings, making honey day and night. Aren't we, honey? Very touching, very academy of dramatic
4: arts. That bitter cynicism of yours is something you've acquired since you left Radcliffe.
3: That cynicism you refer to, I acquired the day I discovered I was different from little boys.
1: Come on, get up, I'll buy you a drink. We don't have to watch the whole trailer. It's it's, Uh, it's a a great, it's a terrific film, and it really holds up well. It's it's a really good, tight script. It's it's really, the the, the young woman who you see there, she's the villainess. And she is creepy beyond belief. (laughs) Ann Baxter, very creepy in this film. Uh, and uh, and and the movie is is great. Betty Davis is terrific. I think she won an Oscar for it. So, okay, time for uh. Well, the, today is is Wednesday, is it not? Okay, good. So this 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 week is in fact moving forward, despite <laughs> all indicators that time has stopped. <laughs> In fact, time continues to move forward, so it's time for for some Bible talk. So, a quick quick correction from yesterday. So yesterday we did a commercial for Harrys.com. Harrys.com they sell these razors, and the razors are fantastic. They 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 sell you these this deal. It's like fifteen bucks for the for the the holder for the shaving handle uh, for three razors and uh, and for the shaving cream. And I said that it works really great, and I which is true. And you go to Harrys.com for a five dollar discount on that. Harrys.com and use the keyword Ben. So I got some people who are orthodox, right? Some orthodox. Jews who emailed me, listen to the show, and they said, well, wait, you're not allowed to, to shave using a straight edge. This is true. Okay, so the way that this works is that you, you're not allowed as an Orthodox Jew, because there's a portion of the Bible that says you're not allowed to cut the edges of your beard. The idea is that you're not supposed to use a straight edge on your face. So instead, we use electric razors. So just a quick correction for those who care which is like all two of you. Okay, here's the the deal, okay? I use an electric razor on my face, and by the jawline, I also follow my monodies underneath the jawline, and so when I say that the razors work, I mean that the straight edges work on my neck, which is the hardest part to shave. You can't shave it with an electric razor. That being said, Harry's.com does provide a great product, and for me, you know, this is always the hard part to shave, so that's that, so Harry's.com, keyword Ben. All right, so this week's Bible portion is one of the most puzzling Bible portions in all of the Bible. This is the section with the talking donkey, right? This is the section that all the people on the left make fun of because, hey, it's a talking donkey, right? I mean, where, where have we seen that before? Where have we seen a talking jackass? Except for, like, every day on this show, every quote we play, but aside from, aside from that, where do we see a talking jackass? So there's this whole section of the Bible where, where Bilam is uh, he was a prophet. He's a, he's a non-Jewish prophet, and he wants to curse the Jews. And Balak is the king of, of a neighboring tribe. He's the king of Midian. And he comes to him, and he says, we want you to curse the Jews. And he says, well, I can't do that because God doesn't allow me to curse the Jews. And then finally, he's incentivized with a lot of money to go curse the Jews. And so this is a section from Numbers 22. And it says the, the, he's riding his donkey. The she-donkey saw the angel of the Lord, and it crouched down under Bilam. Bilam's anger flared, and he beat the she-donkey with a stick. The Lord opened the mouth of the she-donkey, and she said to Bilam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Bilam said to the she-donkey, For you have humiliated me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The she-donkey said to Bilam, Am I not your she-donkey on which you have ridden since you first started until now? Have I been accustomed to do this? He said, No. The Lord opened Balaam's eyes. He saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a sword drawn in his hand. He bowed and prostrated himself on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you beaten your she-donkey these three times? Behold, I came out to thwart you, for the one embarking on the journey has hastened against me. When the she-donkey saw me, it turned aside these three times. Had she not turned aside before me, now I would also have killed you and spared her, the she-donkey. Okay, so weird stuff, right? Talking donkey, angel appearing magically, weird stuff. So what's the point of this? So... My belief is that some of the Bible is is figurative. So the point of this particular section of the Bible is that even th- that we all in our lives take credit for qualities for which we are not responsible. So you've heard me brag about the fact that I'm smart on the show. It's just me being an ass. Right? Okay, so a, like it's just me being a jackass. Because the reality is that I'm not responsible for the level of my intelligence. Right? That's a genetic thing. I'm, I'm responsible for cultivating that intelligence. But it's not... If I'm a smart person, that's probably due to the fact that both my parents are smart. People take pride in the weirdest things, right? We take pride in the fact that we're good-looking or in the fact that we are tall or in the fact that, we are, or the fact that we're smart, the fact that we have certain skills that come naturally to us, that we're fast. We take more pride in that than we do in our values, than we do in being a good person. The point of this section is that God can give qualities to anybody. God, if he wants, can make a donkey talk, right? God can make a donkey prophesy. Bilham is not a special guy because God tapped him on the shoulder and decided to use him as the conduit for his word, right? Bilham is just another guy that God decided to use as the conduit, and Bilaam obviously took pride in that, and that's why he was willing to be paid, and he thought, okay, I can manipulate God, I'll go there and I'll just do what I want to do. That's not the way that any of this works. The things you should take pride in are your cultivation of your own values. The things you should take pride in are not the natural things that God gave you because, hey, you're not responsible for those things. That's not about you. And by the way, that's, that's also the reason why you shouldn't discriminate against people based on the things that are inherent to them, the things that they can't change about themselves. It's why racism is so stupid. I mean, it's stupid for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons racism is so stupid is because you don't make a decision as to what race you are. You make a decision as to how you act as a human being. This is why you know, the, the Black Lives Matter movement that suggests that you get to act differently if you're black than if you're white is so nasty. Right? The things that you're born with, those are not qualities that you get to take credit for. Those are things that God can take credit or blame for. So the whole point of this section is God saying to Bill—what God's really saying to Bill I'm here is, you're an idiot. Like, you think that you're a really special guy. I'll make your donkey talk to you, and your donkey will see more than you, right? And then you'll try and beat the donkey, and I'll, t- and I'll say, well, I'll kill you, not the donkey, because the donkey's more important than you. That's the point of this particular section of the Bible. So that's things I like. Okay. Uh, one more thing I like. I, I have a soft spot, I have to admit, for Triumph the Insult comic dog. And apparently, Triumph the Insult comic dog was at the RNC and was on CNN. I haven't watched this yet, so we'll see how funny it is. But I just felt the need to put it on there because I want to watch it. So here it is.
3: We are live
2: from behind CNN. This is Triumph back to back on Facebook Live. Boom, 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 there we are. There's Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper live on CNN. Anderson, not so much excitement tonight.
5: Uh, Yeah, it emptied out early,
2: didn't it? Yeah, pretty much when Donald Trump Jr. was on. No, no, people listened to it. No, they did. He's a cool guy, right? I
0: I don't know. Oh, come on, he's he's a lion
2: hunter. (laughs) Actually, you know what's odd? He actually doesn't. He actually was aiming for the natives. He just has very bad aim. Mm. Anderson Cooper, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Oh, uh, not as material. That's too bad. I was all excited for that. And Anderson Cooper is so ripe for, for mockery. Yeah. And he has to go after Donald Trump Jr.? Ah, that's stupid. Okay, so that's a thing I hate. We'll just reclassify that one. <laughs> okay, so other things that I hate. The, the, the entire comic subset has descended on the RNC to mock the Republicans because this is what they do. So Keegan-Michael Key. I, lo- I think Key and Peele can be hysterical. Some of their sketches are just absurdly funny. They did one about the TSA and terrorism that's extraordinarily funny. They did one about a riot in the inner city that is just hysterically funny. But a, a lot of their stuff is really funny. Here's Keegan-Michael Key portraying Ohio's only black GOP delegate. And it's just this is just cheap, crap, stupid nonsense.
4: So, how does it feel being
2: one of the few African-Americans there? You know, it's incredible, Stephen. From the moment I got here, everyone has been so nice. They, they gave me a hat, they gave me a shirt, they're always putting me on camera for some reason. <laughs> I guess, I mean, I've never been so popular in my life. Well, that, I mean, that's, that really seems nice. Yeah, well, people keep coming up to me and saying, thank God you're here. <laughs> and they keep on saying, you're one of the good ones. <laughs> You're articulate. You're bright. I mean, the compliments just keep on rolling in, Stephen. Oh, my gosh. Jeepers. And they even invited me to all these different parties. They keep saying, we need you there.
1: It's amazing. (laughs) Well, you do. You do. Okay, so the idea, of course, is that Republicans are very enthusiastic about having a black guy there. There is some truth to that, by the way, which is that Republicans are enthusiastic when somebody of minority status comes to the convention because they've been so ripped down by the press for so many years as racists and terrible people that when somebody shows up and doesn't believe that lie, then it's nice. It's gratifying, right? It's one of the reasons Ben Carson and Herman Cain were so popular. You have to acknowledge the grain of truth. That being said, the Democrats are significantly more exploitative of race than the Republicans. I mean, here he's ripping on the Republicans. Oh, my God, everybody's so nice to me because they want their token black guy. The Democrats are legitimately having the parents of people who assaulted and tried to murder police officers speak at their convention because they're trying to pander to black people. That seems significantly worse to me than, here's a free hat, here's a free shirt. Okay, final thing that I that I dislike. Okay, so Caitlyn Jenner is, uh, is at the—well, we'll do a couple more because why not? Come on. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner was at the RNC. And uh, and Caitlyn Jenner is uh, I don't know why Caitlyn Jenner is is at the RNC, but apparently Caitlyn Jenner is at the RNC and talking about being a Republican. And this got all sorts of press attention because, of course, as we all know, the real reason the media follow the Caitlyn Jenner saga is not out of some great sympathy for the transgender plight. It's not because they actually want Caitlyn Jenner to have a better life, it's because the media are a bunch of circus carnival barkers and they think that Caitlyn Jenner is a freak show and they can make ratings off of it. That's the reality of why they do this. It's why they put Caitlyn Jenner on the front of their magazines. They think it'll move paper. So in any case, Caitlyn Jenner shows up at the RNC and here's what it looks like.
2: You've gotten more sort of pushback and criticism from the media
1: because you self-identify as a Republican.
4: Yes, rather oh yeah, than
1: It was easy to come out as trans.
4: It was harder to come out as Republican.
1: Okay? Okay, one of the problems that I have with the general treatment here is sort of the token treatment that I was talking about before. It's one thing to say that we're grateful that black people are showing up because it shows that they're not buying into the Democratic lies about the Republican Party. It's another thing to pretend that Caitlyn Jenner is actually a woman, to go along with the the agenda here. And, and feature this. Like, if Caitlyn Jenner wants to show up to the convention, Caitlyn Jenner can show up to the convention. But the idea that Caitlyn Jenner is being given prominent coverage there is solely due to the whole transgender thing. And it's it's a little bit off-putting for Republicans to do that sort of stuff, to, to suggest that Caitlyn Jenner is a woman, because then we get to show how tolerant we are toward the transgender agenda, right? That's it's, just—I I don't I don't find that particularly— noteworthy or or important. Whoopi Goldberg, we'll finish with Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi Goldberg, who is legitimately a very stupid person, I I can't say that Whoopi is the stupidest person on The View because that title is in question every day. I think that's probably why people watch. They have floating rankings of stupidity on The View. And then they just try to determine, based on each show, who moves up and who moves down. Well, Whoopi Goldberg went after Rudy Giuliani on the worst show on television, The View, the other day. Former (laughs) New York mayor... Rudy Giuliani <laughs> did his best to pump up the crowd last night, promising them, "What he did for New York, Trump will do for America."
2: <laughs> what did you think of that? Well,
5: I think he stole that. He stole that speech from
4: Mussolini. <laughs> <laughs> but he also says, and this is my favorite, "I took six hundred thousand people off welfare in New York." Liar.
1: Wait, how's he a liar? I mean, he helped get 600,000 people off welfare in New York. And I like when they call him Mussolini because he likes the police. That's Mussolini-esque. It's not Mussolini-esque when the president of the United States whips crowds into furious fervors against the cops and then cops get shot. That's not Mussolini-esque. It's Mussolini-esque when you say law and order should be a priority and we should support our police officers. Oh, well, Whoopi Goldberg, what can you expect from a combined panel whose IQ totals less than my shoe size? So that's all we have for today. Tomorrow is the mailbag, so you'll show up for that. And there will be more Republican convention stuff, including Ted Cruz is speaking today. So there's a lot of talk about what's he going to do? Is he going to endorse Trump? Is he not going to endorse Trump? Is everyone going to spontaneously burst into flame? What sort of biblical plagues will God visit on Cleveland? I mean, there's going to be so much happening, and we'll be there to cover all of it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.